It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Thank you for meeting me in the middle sometime every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and we try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. It's so great to have you along. You can hear us all up and down the eastern seaboard and as far north as Canada and out to the, I guess, the Mississippi River on 77 WABC, the most powerful AM radio signal on the East Coast. And you can stream us on WABCradio.com. Every week we're here. want to offer my heartiest wishes of a happy and sweet new year to my launsmen who are celebrating Rosh Hashanah today. This, my radio show is a form of Tashlik, you know, the tradition of casting off your sins we'll do tomorrow over by the water. It's kind of what I do when I do this two hours, cast off my stuff. I'm actually going to make some amends also you know, they say in the period between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you're, you're kind of being inscribed for the next year, and so you want to be on your best behavior. And I took a couple – I've been taking some lumps recently in my emails and my texts from folks who think that I have not gone hard enough on Joe Biden. And also some people who criticized me last week, you know, I went pretty hard at Eric Adams for his posture on the migrants – and a few people said to me, well, do you – how you, you would not be any better and do you have any ideas that are affirmative, not just criticizing Eric Adams? So I'm going to get to that in the second hour. In the first hour, we're going to talk a little bit about the very busy news week. Joe Biden had a very bad week. His son was indicted. He was I – mean, he's on the road to impeachment. Impeachment is one of those things that once it starts happening, it's hard to stop it. Um, I had an interesting week on – Tuesday or Wednesday, I went on Fox News and was on the, with this guy, Jesse Waters. Again, I'm not – I'm a radio. I like radio. I do not like cable news on either side. I don't like MSNBC. I don't like Fox. I just don't like – it's like such siloed stuff. And maybe we're a little bit like that here at, at, at 77 WABC, but I'm on the air and I get invited on other people's shows. But this guy, Jesse Waters, I had not been – I didn't really know who he – to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't watch his show. and That might have been a mistake and I didn't know much about him. Um, it's a little bit – do you remember that show, The Colbert Report? That was – it was 
Colbert basically doing an impression sort of a Bill, Bill O'Reilly. And so it's, so this guy, Jesse Waters, does almost an impression of Colbert doing an impression of Bill O'Reilly. He like blurts out a statement, not really a question, why don't you guys do anything about crime? And then I would respond and then he wouldn't say anything. He'd just go to the next subject. And what about, you know, men in girls' bathrooms and stuff like that? So I wasn't quite – it was a little bit weird. But I got a lot – the one thing is you got you cannot deny the reach of Fox because on Facebook and other places I just got deluged with like comments and everything else. But here's the interesting thing about being on a show like that is you realize that people really are only told one side. And if you go on – it was a big deal. Like he made a big deal of saying, you know, no other Democrat will come on for me. You know, come on to – who has the guts to come on? I just don't think they invite Democrats on. And I've told the story before that when I was in Congress, I would go on Fox News all the time. And and at one point, Nancy Pelosi grabbed me on the floor and said, you know, you're not helping by doing that. You're just giving them credibility. And I kind of have a different view. I think that even if there's 5% that has kind of an open mind, then it's worth doing. Nancy, uh, Nancy Mace, I think her name was, was on with Sid this week. And she kind of said something similar about why she goes on liberal on liberal outlets. Anyway, long story short, I get all these texts and emails from people who legitimately didn't know some of the things I were saying were true, like the idea that the people, the amnesty, amnesty, I, I confuse that sometimes, that uh, asylum is a process under the law, that there's no laws are being broken, and that crime is actually ticking down in New York City, not up, and things like that. So very often people would like, oh, you're lying, and then I would send them a site. I'd send them a, uh, a statistic or I'd send them a, a citation. And generally people would respond, oh, I didn't know that. I'm glad then – I'm glad I wrote to you or I'm glad – so I, I – you know, he said at the end of the show, I'll have you back. I'm like, I don't know if I go back on these shows. I'm a, I'm a radio guy. I only went on to re, to promote the show and then at the end they was they promised to promote me by putting under my name this show and they didn't do that. So, But it was interesting. I'm glad I did it. He seemed like a fine person and I – but the Fox News audience is just not as bright as the 77 WABC audience. See? As I compliment my audience, Curtis told me that. Speaking about Curtis, Curtis is going to be in at 4 o'clock. There's a two-hour show now. He's going to be on for left versus right. He had a busy weekend, a busy week rather, uh, as he always does. He and Sid did a rally. You've heard a lot about it at Floyd Bennett Field in my old district. And I I have something to say about Floyd Bennett Field. We'll probably get to it in the second hour. Um, but he's going to be coming in. We're going to talk a little bit about the latest with that. And any conversation we're going to have about about Aaron Rodgers, I'll do with him. I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a Jets fan. I don't believe in going, you know, Joe Benigno was on. I'm with him. I don't go out and buy jerseys of, like, players and that kind of thing. And I just want to, I just want them to win. And they're going to obviously have a tough a tough game against against Dallas. But I don't want to dwell on it anymore. Um, the hockey season has begun this morning. Jordan had hockey super early this morning. Before synagogue even opened, he was out there on the ice. Um, and he's flying around the ice. He hasn't played much over the summer, but he's been flying around. That's good. And also, he and I have been going through kind of a rough patch recently. And and hockey is one of the things that we bond over. And so even though it's early in the morning and he's cranky and I'm cranky, um, a day at the rink it really does a lot to restore a relationship with a 12-year-old and his dad. Uh, so like I said, it was a lot of news this week. A lot of bad news for the Bidens. Um, 
There was some Trump stuff that went on, and one of the reasons they expanded this show, and my thanks continue to go to John Katsimatidis and Margot and Chad for giving me some more time. One of the reasons there's so much more news every week as we get closer to the election, as we get closer, as all these legal things begin to bubble up. Now we have impeachment. There's just so much news, and just yesterday there was a filing by um, Jack Smith, the prosecutor in in the, the federal prosecutor, special prosecutor. Asking Donald, asking the court to ask Donald Trump basically to be careful with what he says. And people say, oh, it's a modified gag order. It doesn't restrict him for numerous. But I got to tell you, it does not take much to make people get crazy um, in defense of Donald Trump, even some of the really smart people at our station. So the news comes across as Katz and Cosby are on the air, and Rita Cosby hears it, and this is what she says. I'm Randa on the campaign trail. You've got the leading candidate on the GOP side, uh, the guy who's like the most loquacious of everybody, and you're going to tell him to keep quiet. I mean, how does that work? <laughs> well, I'll tell you how it works, Rita. No one's telling him to keep quiet. He can say whatever he wants. He just can't do the things that every other defendant in a case can't do. If you're a defendant in a case, you can't go stand in front of the juror's house with a big sign, you know, intimidating them. You can't release their address. You can't you can't, you know, say I'm going to I'm going to get you. You can't insult the judge and the prosecutors. Well, Donald Trump does that just about every single day in a social media platform that's even bigger than a sign in front of someone's house. No one can do that. He can say whatever he wants. He can even he can declare his innocence to the all that Jack Smith is saying. And obviously, I mean, I, I love Rita. She's she's so great. But I didn't read the. The request by Jack Smith, and by the way, hasn't been ordered yet. And I think the, the, the Trump has a week for his lawyers to respond to it. You just can't. There are things you're not allowed to do as a defendant. You know, I hear all the time. Well, if you know Donald Trump is getting charged with things that no one else would ever get charged. No, this is a. He's getting away with stuff that no one would ever get away with. If when I was, if when I was awaiting, awaiting trial, I had been indicted. I started posting, you know, the crazy deranged prosecutors and the and the judges biased and releasing addresses for witnesses. <laughs> I would be thrown in. I would be thrown in jail. Period. So anyway, so that's been old people overreacted. There'll be an order. We'll see what the order is. But there are rules of what you can and can't do. You don't. People say, oh, First Amendment rights." No, you don't have the right to to to. Do to say and do whatever you want in America. There are limitations, and when you are a defendant in a case or a party in a case, you just can't you can't say certain things. And this is just um, the request by the by the by the prosecutor. And so we'll 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 see. But no one's telling Donald Trump he has to be quiet on the campaign trail. This guy filling in for Levin. By the way, you can hear with all my references to the radio that I listen to the radio a lot. The guy filling in for Levin yesterday, he's like. He's like he's the only person on the stage who's not allowed to say anything about his case. You can say stuff. You just – there's a limit. That's why they called it a modified gag order. Um, but let's get to some numbers of the week that might walk us into some of these other subjects. Um, so 4.4% uh, 4. 4 in, uh, increase. That's one number. That's the – Increase from the previous week of uh, of COVID hospitalizations in Florida. There are now more people per capita hospitalized for COVID-19 in Florida than in any other state. Part of that is 
the governor uh, wants to be a kind of a libertarian on COVID. And so he's going so far as to basically say stuff that's not true and overruling his Surgeon General and all this other crazy stuff. Well, the result is Florida has more cases now than anywhere else. 5000 that's the number of the week. $5,000 a day is what Mitt Romney claims he pays for security for him and his family. Now, two things about that. One, it's a lot of money. So, that, I mean, I don't know where the, I mean, the, the number comes from a biography, an authorized biography that was released this week in conjunction with him announcing he's not running for reelection. And he does point out in there that because he is kind of an anti-Trumper in Congress, that he gets a lot of threats. One of the cases, one of the arguments he makes in this book, and I just read an excerpt, I didn't read the whole book, is that one of the reasons that more of his Republican colleagues don't stand up to Trump and didn't vote for impeachment, for example, is because they literally fear for their lives. By the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You've got Ava on the board and Christian will be taking your calls. And you can reach out to me at, at Rep Wiener or Anthony D. Wiener on, on threads. If they close down threads, is that still happening? Anthony uh, Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. We're getting back to the numbers of the week for a very bad week for Joe Biden. Um. Next is one. One is the number of days. Is this true? Number of days after Joe Biden was inaugurated when the first resolution to impeach him was introduced in the House of Representatives. January, he was sworn in on January 20th, 2021. And Marjorie Taylor Greene filed an impeachment resolution on January 21st, 2021. So. Um, it's not a new idea. It's been out there a little while since his first day in office. By the way, the Constitution says high crimes and misdemeanors is what is the test for impeachment. We're going to get a little more into that. Um, 5.3%. That's the number of people nationwide in 2021. Um, that's the percentage of people that were sentenced for violating the part of the form that Hunter Biden was indicted, was um, convicted, uh, convicted, was indicted for. Let me explain that. So there were 6,549 cases where people were charged with the crime and sentenced for, um, for failing to fill out that form correctly. 79% of them they reported that they were not a felon when they were. And then second is someone's drug user, 5.3%. In other words, only 5% of all of the people that were um, – that, that did that uh, were, um, were sentenced for that crime. So it's really only used what he's been charged for. He's now been charged for it. That's really only used for people who are felons. He is not. And uh, so people ask, well, how often does that happen? 350 people nationwide in 2021. There's no numbers yet for 22. So it took me a little while to find that. I eventually found it. So if you're wondering how, how common is it, it's not very common. Um, but I'm going to get to that in a minute because – you know, sometimes you make examples of someone. A guy named Anthony Weiner got sentenced for something that no one had ever been sentenced for, 
And um, it's because the judge said we have to make a public example for other people. And that's sometimes what goes with being a famous person. But we're, part of it is when, when people say, well, he got, he's getting special treatment. Yes, he's getting charged for something that most people do not get charged for. And uh, one final number, 14. That is the number of Republicans in the House of Representatives who represent districts that Joe Biden won in 2020. And so how does that bring us in to the conversation about Joe Biden's impeachment? Well, what I want to do is kind of go charge by charge with you and talk about the defense that Joe Biden has and why stuff maybe you haven't heard. But before I get to that, I just want to try to explain why there is an impeachment that has been greenlit by uh, the speaker. To put it very simply, you've heard me on this microphone and on the podcast I do called The Middle Unplugged talk about this idea of speaker in name only, Sino I call him. It's because he is a speaker of, of a caucus that includes not 100 but 20 or 30 members who – are not at all interesting in governing at all, who just want to kind of cause problems, who just want to make political stands. And so we have a situation where most people in the House of Representatives don't think that an impeachment is warranted. About 30 Republicans have said, Republicans have said they're opposed to an impeachment resolution going forward. But a handful do. A guy named Gates does. Marjorie Taylor Greene does. And when you only control the speakership by five votes, which is the majority that he holds right now, a handful can force your hand. But, you know, they've wanted, as I said, they wanted to impeach him from literally day one. They wanted there's a resolution to impeach him over what's going on at the border. There's a resolution to impeach him over the fentanyl crisis. There's a resolution to impeach him over Afghanistan. But they also, these guys, no doubt about it, want to muddy the waters. Donald Trump is facing hundreds of years in prison. So there's an effort to say, well, our guys are crook, your guys are crook also. So McCarthy said, I don't want to do this. We don't have the votes to do it. I don't want to do it. But then Donald Trump himself got involved and has been part of discussions on how and when to impeach Biden. He even went on the record and said, this is, you know, he did, they did it to us. We're going to do it to them. But that's why this impeachment is happening. It's politics because McCarthy needed to get ahead of this. And now he needs to be able to pass a budget, and he doesn't think he'll be able to do it if he's, if he's fighting this rearguard action. He was going to have his speakership thrown into question. So that's why they have it. But now that there is this investigation that is going to lead to other investigations, I think it's fair to take a look at the charges against Joe Biden. I was criticized for, um, for, for not taking them seriously enough. So when we get back from the break, I'm going to go through the seven charges that have been leveled against Joe Biden, and I'm going to see what we think of the evidence and welcome you to call me on 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, and be part of the the conversation as we start a new year here with you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity and so grateful that you're sharing the time with me, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. I remember Christmas in the blistering cold in the church on the Upper West Side. Baby, stood the singing, I was holding your arm, you were holding my trust like a child. Found a lot of trouble out on Avenue B, but I tried to keep it over, hello. 
farewell to the city and the love of my life as we left before we had to go. Love won't play any games with you anymore if you don't want them to. Sweeper the sheep, so thing out the door. I'll always be thinking of you. I'll always love you, the New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. And welcome back to the middle. This is Anthony Weiner. I'm with you until 4 o'clock. Then Curtis Lee comes in for left versus right. We've got a lot to talk about on the migrant crisis. I'm going to get into the migrant crisis in hour two. Last week I did a fairly full-throated almost two hours. Very frustrated with my own mayor on that and just the way their tone, his tone. And a couple of people reached out to me and they said, yeah, you said what you would say, but what would you do? And so I gave it a little thought because I do think – there are appropriate and inappropriate places for the migrants. They're here legally, but there are ways that we can process this better. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about the impeachment. I mean, I'll be honest that that part of what the problem has been with this is the spokesman for the impeachment, this guy Comer, has been all over the map. He claims he's got things that he doesn't have. He makes statements that that are not true. He's just a terrible spokesman for this because he gets out over his skis. I think he he keeps saying we're going to find, we're going to find, we're going to find and then he's forced to say we didn't find, we didn't find, we didn't find. And But he's also very, very sloppy in the things that he says, that he says things that, I mean, I think he wants to be true but often are not. Now, this is not a purely partisan thing. As I mentioned, at least 30 Republicans in the House are on the record at saying that they don't believe that um, that there's they're there for impeachment, and remember the Constitution requires treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors, and that is by the President of the United States. Now I've talked a hundred times to you about Hunter Biden and what he's accused of doing, but remember the impeachment is about Joe Biden. What he's accused, what what the evidence is for that, for that, and 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 I can just, I'll just riff on. A, these are just some Republicans. Ken Buck of Colorado. The evidence does not exist right now. Um, I don't think that the evidence has been presented. I'm not convinced that evidence exists. 
high crimes and misdemeanors. Ken Buck of Colorado Republican. Dave Joyce, Ohio, Republican. I'm not seeing facts or evidence that merit impeachment inquiry. Dusty Johnson of South Dakota. I don't know any of these guys. I didn't serve with a single one of these guys. These are just things, just sites that I've, that I've found. There is a constitutional legal test that you have to meet with evidence, and I have not seen that evidence. Don Bacon of Nebraska. I do not. Uh, uh, um, I think we need to have more concrete evidence to go down that path. French Hill of Arkansas. Mike Lawler of New York. Mike Lawler of New York. He's within the sound of our voice. With respect to impeachment, we're not there yet. So it's not just Democrats. And there's a lot of reporters who have said this too. Now, but you would think listening to Fox News and sometimes listening to the host here that, oh, my God, the evidence is overwhelming. Look, I'll, I'll even – this is a about a minute of Comer, um, of Comer kind of describing uh, – this guy, James Comer of Kentucky, describing the case. Cut three. I, I heard you yesterday refer to them as a crime family, and this was organized crime. So make it easy for us. What was the crime? Well, the crime is uh, trading policy for for money. Which policy? Well, we're going to get into that. All right, all right. I mean, so look. let's let's just stop it right there. So, <laughs> by the way, that's Fox News. Which policy? Well, we're going to get into that. It, you've been investigating this for nine months, man. All right, let's continue. Joe Biden has on day one he changed our energy policy in America that. Uh, put China first and America last. He went in on day one and and ended the China initiative, which was an investigation at all our public universities of a very organized Chinese spy ring where China was sending students to universities to steal our research and development. So you're saying because members of the uh, the Hunter Biden family and the extended Joe Biden family got money Mm -hmm. through various foreign entities, including Uh, things like things from China, mm -hmm. that the president is compromised. Absolutely. Absolutely. How's he compromised? He's compromised because he's taken so much money from China. All right. See, that's that's what I mean. Listen, to, you heard what just happened there. He's he he doesn't he doesn't bring the evidence. He says that because his family has gotten uh, look, when Joe Biden came in, he changed lots of policies. But the question that was asked in that interview was the right one. If you're going to accuse him of trading Policy for money, you've got to show both things. And in neither case did he really show it. But let's go in a much more organized way than Comer did. This isn't Fox News. This is the middle. We do things. We try to do them rigorously and we try to source what we're doing and cite what we're doing. So let's go through the seven crimes or allegations that have been made about um, about Joe Biden, about Joe Biden. And let me just make one one thing pretty clear, that there has been very little resistance on the side of the Trump, um, of the Biden administration to giving Comer and his colleagues what they want. You haven't seen years of litigation. You haven't seen court cases. When Comer and his committees ask for stuff, he generally gets it. And don't take it from me. Take it from Comer. Cut four. Every subpoena that I've signed as chairman of the House Oversight Committee over the last five months, we've gotten 100% of what we've requested, whether it's with the FBI or with banks or with Treasury. You know why that is? Because generally the posture has been of the, of the Biden administration of like, all right, here, take a look. We got nothing to hide. But let's, let's take it seriously. And by the way, the Republicans have gotten from Biden and his people – 
12,000 pages of bank records, 2,000 pages of suspicious activities reports, hours and hours of witnesses provided by the Biden administration, including they offered Merrick Garland. There has been, I mean, all right, so let's go with this charge by charge, because you've heard things said over and over again with one sentence, oh, He's been bribed by foreigners. So the the first claim that Republicans frequently make is they say he's been engaged in a bribery scheme with a foreign national. So what does that come from? So the FBI got a tip and a source said there was an allegation of a person from Burisma um, bribing Joe Biden. And it was on something called an FD-1023 form, which is where they put all their tips on that form. The FBI investigated it, and they came back that it was not supported by the facts. It was like one of these tips that comes in. The form does exist. There is a there is, and they interviewed the not the person that gave the tip, but the person who supposedly did the bribing, the owner of Burisma, who said that no one from Burisma had ever had contacts with Vice President Biden or people working for him. During while Hunter Biden was working there. And this investigation where the FBI and the Justice Department decided there was nothing there was under Donald Trump. It was Donald Trump's attorney general under Donald Trump that they investigated this. And it turned out that it didn't. Happen. But but even better, the 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 investigator for Rudy Giuliani whose job it was to turn over, to turn up dirt on the Bidens. He has offered to come testify before the committee, and they have said no. So this whole idea, and by the way, it's not some of the Bidens' worst critics have said that there's nothing to this. Ron Johnson, that guy who is, 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 one, is one fry short of a Happy Meal, he says... I take that with a grain of salt. This could be coming from a very corrupt oligarch who just wants to make stuff up. Comer himself says we don't know if it's legit or not. So the charge that someone bribed Joe Biden has been looked at. It's been contradicted. It's never been substantiated. And yet still, I hear Republicans from time to time still say it. The next thing they say is that, and this this one this one still comes up, even though it's the thing that was the Trump um, impeachment was about. This idea that when Joe Biden was vice president, he wanted to get the Ukrainian pro, uh, um, prosecutor general fired in order to help Hunter Biden, the, this company Burisma. OK, now. That sounds all very good. The only problem was. The reason that not only Donald, not only Joe Biden, not only the whole administration, but the Ukrainian caucus of the Congress, including dozens of Republicans, wanted to get rid of this prosecutor general is because his job was to weed out corruption and he was doing a lousy job. We didn't want to provide any more aid to Ukraine if they were going to keep having corruption problems. And Burisma was part of the problem. This guy was not prosecuting enough. And again, it isn't just me saying that. It's it's not just Democrats saying that. The 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 Ron Johnson, the Ukrainian caucus that has half Republicans on it, they wanted that guy out. 
I'm going to read what Ron Johnson said. The whole world, by the way, including the Ukrainian caucus, which I signed the letter, the whole world felt this was this Shotkin, that was his name, was not doing a good enough job. And was saying you've got to get rid of yourself of corruption. And so they brought in uh, a, a business partner of, of Hunter Biden. Comer said, oh, my God, this is going to blow the lid off it. And what did he say? He was asked, do you have any knowledge of Joe Biden have any involvement with Burisma? He said no. When asked, do you have any reason to disagree with the conclusion that Hunter Biden's presence on the board had no effect on your on, 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 on policy? Archer said, I have no reason to believe it had any effect at all. So the whole idea that Trump, that Biden was trying to get rid of this prosecutor to help Burisma, Ukraine had a corruption problem. This guy was doing nothing about it. And that was Biden's job to get rid of him, not to help Hunter Biden. And there are more. There's four more we're going to go through, but we got to get through the break. And then we're going to take your calls. The board is filling up with a lot of people who disagree. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're going chapter and verse on the case for impeaching the president of the United States. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to the middle. That's James and Bobby Purify. Purify or Purify? I don't know how to say that. I'm your puppet. We're going case by case. We're doing the trial, the impeachment trial, as best we can. And so far, we covered two, two of the charges. One of the charges was that Joe Biden is in some kind of a bribery scheme because they got a tip. The FBI got a tip, one of thousands. And by the way, the FBI came, explained it. Told them what they did to follow up on it. Told them who the source of it was. All kinds of cooperation because this all happened under the Trump administration. And then the second thing is this firing of this prosecutor. Yeah, he was fired because he wasn't doing enough. The entire European community was in support of this. Congress was in support of this. And Hunter and Joe Biden was doing the firing, was like pressing for the firing. And he did get fired because he wasn't doing enough, not too little. <laughs> I mean, that record is clear, clear as day. And if you, you don't have to, you know, look, you don't have to really believe me. You can listen to Donald Trump's own um, own envoys. Donald Trump's special envoy to Ukraine. The allegations against President Biden are self-serving and not credible. That's Donald Trump's special envoy. All right. So the third thing, and this is the one you hear the most sneak, that is just sneaky. If you ever hear someone say, 
the Biden family or the Bidens, you know they don't have Joe. That's a little way. It's a little viewer's tip for how you can tell when they don't have the case. And so this is what this one comes down to. You heard me play the clip of Comer saying he's gotten every piece of information that he's asked for. That there wasn't a single one of his subpoenas that were contested in court. They were all turned up. Bank records, suspicious activity reports. And they found that all of the deals that they found, and a lot of them started out from tips that, that were that were on the, the laptop, that there's about $20 million in fees that went back and forth in these businesses. Just want to point out, Kushner got $3 billion from, this, from the Saudis, but all right, we'll, we'll, I'm going to get to that in a minute. But $20 million. Of that 20, about two-thirds of it went to associates of Hunter Biden. No Bidens at all. $8 million of it went to, went to Hunter Biden. But they keep saying things like, oh, the Bidens, the Bidens, the Bidens. And even Comer himself, who I told you is very sloppy about this, has said already we already have evidence that would point that Joe Biden was involved with Hunter Biden on this. So they called in this guy, Devin Archer, not the Democrats. The Republicans called in Devin Bar- Archer and, Devin, and Comer said we're going to come. Uh, that this guy Archer was going to come under oath and tell us exactly what role Joe Biden played. So what did he testify to? He testified that Joe Biden played no role. I'm going to read you from the transcript. So based on everything you saw, heard, and observed, did you have any knowledge of Joe Biden having any involvement with Burisma? No. Are you aware of any wrongdoing by President Biden? No, I'm not aware of any. Archer testified that uh, President Biden never discussed with Hunter Biden or his associates. And another, another witness that the Republicans brought in, again, Comer said that, that this other witness, this guy Eric Schwerin, was going to be a very valuable witness for us. Instead, he's told the Oversight Committee he was, quote, not aware of any involvement of President Biden in the financial conduct of his relatives' businesses. And is it Anthony Weiner saying this? No, the Wall Street Journal, Rupert Murdoch's Wall Street Journal, same people that own Fox News, quote, Corporate records reviewed by the Wall Street Journal show no role for Joe Biden. Where did they get those corporate records from? Comer turned them over. Comer's gotten all this stuff. He knows. Now, did Hunter Biden get a bunch of money? Did other members? Of, yeah. And, I've, and, I've, and, and I'm going to get to this in a minute. If you want to have hearings on getting rid of, 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 of these types of relationships and if you want to if you want to crack down on influence peddling and nepotism, sign me up. Love it. Definitely. I definitely want to have Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner before the committee testifying about this. I, I think it's a great thing. to write. But they have nothing that, that, that connects Joe Biden to any of this money. You know, Fox News has this anchor, Steve Ducey. I'm going to quote from him. I forgot to send the, the clip to Ava. And this is the quote. You don't exactly have any facts to that point, talking to, to Comer. You've got some circumstantial evidence. And the other thing is, of all those names, the one person you didn't profit, there's no evidence that Joe Biden did anything illegally. They've got all the bank records of these companies. So that's the money part of it. Next, Biden is compromised because of these deals. You heard Comer mention this, you know, impacted his decision making. 
you know, here's, here's another Comer thing. And he's guys the word. Comer's your problem. If you, if you don't want him in charge of this. I know Comer voted to, to censure Schiff because Schiff was saying things that Comer didn't like. Well, I'm now saying things that Comer doesn't like, uh, that Comer said that I don't like. This is Comer. It's hard for me to believe that Hunter Biden would receive money from foreign companies, quote, if they weren't getting return on their investment. And the only way they can get return on their investment is through Vice President Biden or President Joe Biden. And then he goes on to say this. I bet you haven't heard this. I should have gotten this tape. I'll try to get it for you next week. There are six specific decisions that Joe Biden made, either as vice president or president, that are very concerning to us and we believe could potentially lead back to payments that were made. Did I miss that press release where he laid out the six? He never said what the six were. So look, so it comes down to this. It comes down to, again, this guy, Devin Archer, who is called in as a Republican witness under oath. And he confirmed that he was aware of no wrongdoings. I just stated. And people like Steve Ducey, you know, I played that clip. Make it easy for us. What was the crime? Representative Dave Joyce, who's a Republican, he put it best. He says, you hear a lot of rumors and innuendo, but that's not fact to me. And I agree. They just don't have it. They have all the bank records for 20 companies. And they're not shell companies. They're companies. Some of them that didn't succeed, but they're companies. All right, the next one is, oh, there's all this this interference from the Biden administration into the investigation of Hunter Biden. So this guy, the guy doing the investigation was appointed by Donald Trump. And he has said, I don't know how else to, to, to say, he has said that he had the ultimate authority. And even these IRS agents that everyone talks about or that came in and blew the whistle, they confirmed that neither Garland or President Biden interfered in the probe of Hunter Biden. And this, you know, and McCarthy has, has said, you know, that, that that there was a failure. How come they didn't search? And, and um, who Miranda Devine made this argument uh, uh, yesterday when she was on with Katz and Cosby. She said, how come they didn't search Biden's Delaware home? And there were, and, and it was testified they didn't like the optics of it. You know who made that decision? The Trump administration. He wasn't president yet. And this was two months before the presidential election. The Trump administration decided we're not going to go raid the president's home. And by the way, they didn't have any they didn't have any real cause to. And the FBI supervisory agent who the House Republicans called to make such a big deal about when asked, like, wait, you've got these RRS agents who think that Hunter should be charged with more. Here's what he said. It's very common for FBI agents to have disagreements with prosecutors about investigative steps. It happens all the time. And now we know that Hunter Biden is charged with a crime. So, so much for the idea that Joe Biden is protecting his son with some hidden hand. Not a single memo, document, anything that shows that they've gotten involved. And they're turning over documents left and right to Comer. You know, now, and they're certainly not stonewalling. That's the other thing. That's claim number six by the Republicans. That the, the Biden administration stonewalling congressional investigation. Well, ask Comer. He said he's gotten every single thing they wanted. He, Comer even recorded a Twitter video outside the Treasury Department saying they've gotten so much information and this is going to blow the lid off it. That, that tipped sheet from the FBI, 
Who gave it to the committee? The Biden administration did. Comer says, I've heard about this, this allegation. I said, yeah, it's a tip that came into the FBI. Here's the form. We'll even come testify about how to understand these forms. And the other day, McCarthy says they're going to get bank statements and credit card statements. Well, the Oversight Committee confirmed on, Friday, on Thursday they never requested those documents from the White House. They hadn't even asked for them. There's no stonewalling going on. They got plenty of information. Just know they're there. But the final thing that I think is a, a fair critique is did Joe Biden fib about any of this? And when we come back, we'll get to that, and then we'll finally get to your calls. We'll see you on the other side. This is The Middle. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Welcome back to the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's Joy Division, Level Terrace Apart. Is that right? Level Terrace Apart. We're talking about the impeachment of Hunter Biden, and I say the impeachment because you know when you jump off this. Who did I hear some someone use this metaphor? It's like jumping off a building or something like that. Once you start talking about impeachment, next thing you know, you're going to have a vote to open impeachment. And I've heard. <clears throat> I mean. McCarthy said he was going to have a vote for this, and then he didn't. You know, Nancy Pelosi didn't have a vote, and then she did. I think this thing is moving forward. And I don't know if it's necessarily bad for Joe Biden. I don't think this is a particularly – I don't think this is a thing that most moderate Republicans want to have happen. This is going to consume a lot of their energy, a lot of their time. If you're one of those 14 Republicans that are in Joe Biden districts, this is not the kind of thing you want to have talking about. And they just right now don't seem to have the there there. But the final piece of this is, <clears throat> pardon me, Joe Biden changed his line on this. He said he didn't know anything about these businesses or didn't talk to his son about them. And I think that wasn't true. I think that there was some conversation about it. He got on the phone with a couple of his 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 business people to say hello. Not much more, according to the witnesses. He was photographed in some places. Look, remember what Hunter Biden was doing. Hunter Biden was what all of these people do. They sell the illusion of access. They sell the illusion of influence. Burisma hired Hunter Biden because of the illusion that that would make them more credible. 
Kushner got money from the Saudis because of because of the illusion that he's close to Donald Trump. Probably the reality is close to Donald Trump. But the one thing that has has been steadfast about this is the idea that President Biden was in business with Donald was Hunter Biden. There's now all this documentary evidence that I just outlined that said that that wasn't really the case. So it depends on what the statement is. If you want to go with the statement, I don't know anything about my son's business dealings. I don't think I think that probably Joe Biden that goes in the long list of things that probably was not right that Joe Biden has said they were either fanciful, not true, or whatnot. But if you want to take the statement that in the two in 2020 the Biden campaign put out a statement that said Joe Biden has never even considered being involved in business with his family nor any overseas business whatsoever. That that looks like it's true, um, and that. That in in uh, uh, that witnesses have borne it out that the financial documents is woken out. You know the president at uh, the president said at one point, "I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings," and he also said, "I've never talked business." So they asked these witnesses, the business partners of Hunter Biden, which are these Republican witnesses that they brought in under oath, and in both cases, the witnesses said that they agreed with that, that they hadn't heard of Joe Biden talking business with the son at all. Now, they did one of them did say he would get on the phone with these people and say a word or two and I think they they the uh, archer the guy who made that statement clarified and said but nothing substantive just to say hello. And again, it makes complete sense. Even when it's something like Hunter Biden saying, "Oh, I got my dad sitting here, you better hurry up and sign that lucrative contract for me." That makes sense too. Not that 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 Hunter Biden was sitting there, but that Joe, that I mean that Joe Biden was sitting there, but the Hunter Biden said it. Um, but of all the charges, that's the one that I think sticks sticks the most. And so this took better. This took almost the entire hour. So here's what I, I just so it's fair, and the board is full with people, and then eighty percent that disagree with me on this stuff who want to ask specific questions or make specific points. Let's do some of those calls at the top of the hour, and then I want to talk a little bit about the migrant crisis uh, until uh, Curtis comes in at four o'clock. So. That is my wrap on Joe Biden's impeachment. Now the Trump supporters and the Joe Biden people, the people think Joe Biden is the worst thing ever and that he's corrupt and crooked. You get your chance to call in at 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is The Middle, and I'm so grateful that you're along. One more hour coming up. We'll see you on the other side. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
welcome back to the middle. Katrina and the Waves, walking on sunshine. The dictionary definition of a one-hit wonder. All right. So for the next hour, well, not the whole hour, because I want to talk about the migrant crisis a little bit before Curtis comes in for left versus right at 4 o'clock. He's making some crucial mistakes, but he is getting one thing right, and that is that Floyd Bennett Field is not a place for migrants, and I'm going to explain the danger of doing it there. But I have another idea. We're going to take some calls about Biden, a lot of people waiting to get in, and, and I understand this is a trial. I have presented the defense. Now let's hear some folks who want to give me the prosecution. Jerry in New Jersey. Jerry, thank you so much for holding on. Did I lose you, Jerry? Are you there? Jerry was waiting for a while. Let's get to uh, Janet in Bergen County. Janet, welcome back. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Okay, I just want to ask you, how do you answer this, that Biden, the files that he had taken, you know, that Trump was going to be put away and, and what Trump went through with the files. And you know what? He sent it to Chinatown. Did you know that no, maybe no, no, Biden no. had the apartment <laughs> in Chinatown? He didn't send it to Chinatown. He had an office in a part of 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 um, of uh, Washington, D.C. that was in Chinatown. When they talk about K Street, that's Chinatown. That's ridiculous. No, but, but uh, Janet, you do, ask, you do ask a good question. What is going on? You know, there's a special prosecutor for Biden on his handling of classified documents appointed by Merrick Garland. People forget that, oh, my God, they're, it's, they're so bad. No, they, there is a – now, I don't know what they're waiting for um, because uh, Janet's not wrong. We have not heard from that special prosecutor, and the moment we hear from that special prosecutor, if they say that Hunter, that Hunter, that Joe Biden took documents or tried to keep them in the way that, that Donald Trump did, or when they, they were requested to give them back, he moved them and hid them, whether he, he did what Donald Trump did and said let's um, and, and showed them to people that weren't allowed to see them and all those things, then yeah, we, we got to hold Joe Biden accountable too. But that Special prosecutor we have not heard a peep from, and I'm with Janet. I'm kind of interested in hearing what, what they have to say because, remember, when there were classified documents, Joe Biden also had some that were found in his garage and in his office. Um, next, let's go to uh, Joanne in Westchester. Go ahead, Joanne. Thank you for holding on. Uh, yes. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Um, good, good, good. Uh, I, I have to say I don't like to come up against you, but I, I must. Um, and I think that you're not really down the middle, wrong name for the show, because I think you're far to the other side most of the time. Um, and But I do respect what you do say, and I do think you're extremely bright. So that what I want to say, you know, I, I want to believe you. But I think that with regards to uh, the Bidens, first of all and foremost, most people that I speak to daily, on a daily, and we're on this all the time, a lot of people, uh, Hunter – no, no big concern with Hunter. I'm sorry to say, and, and oh, they got him. They brought him up on charges, and oh, Papa Joey's not going to even, uh, you know, uh, defend. Uh, you know, he's not going to try to defend him because he's wrong. That that's that's bogus bull. Listen, it, it is bad. He was on drugs, and he he lied on the permit, and he got the gun. In fact, and you know all that. That's irrelevant to me uh, with regards to what's going on now with Joe Biden is the one we're concerned with. Joe Biden. Okay. And I think in that family, there's a lot of criminal activity. You know, you make it sound so light and, you know, just kind of blase about the whole thing. And I don't think it is at all. And well, I what, think but it's Joanne, but, but Joanne, but Joanne, what you, that, that's, I know a lot of people believe that, but what I try to go through some of the evidence and Comer keeps, keeps saying he's got evidence when it, or don't you think you have a right as an American citizen to see some of that evidence at some point? do. I'm not, I don't have the world of faith in Comer either myself. Okay, I'll tell you that right now. But I do believe, but I believe that more will come out and 
I think they, they're not finished digging because I do believe it's a very, very, uh, very criminal family from way, way back. Well, I, I, you know, but but hold on. But I do. And I get it. But remember, this is an impeachment of the president of the United States. This is an investigation that's going on now for five or six months, thousands of documents, bank records, everything else. And, and to say we're going to start an impeachment proceeding because we think it's a bad family going way back. That's can't, that can't be the standard we have in this country, could it? Right, not at all. But, the, the, but hey, look how they tortured. Look how all you guys believed in uh, the big Russian collusion. Look at that, number one. Number two, look at Hillary. I know, but people were indicted for that. People And president would have been indicted himself had he not, not been the sitting president. And, and we have a rule against indicting sitting presidents. Most of the nonsense was most of the nonsense with with Trump, I think, is below bogus. I do. I listen to Mark Levin and I'll tell you the truth. I think he is. I mean, look, you're all smart. I believe you're extremely bright, too. But I believe Mark Levin above everybody. And I do believe that um, he because he's not even a Trump person himself. I know. But but Joanne and I really do appreciate you're one of our best callers. And please call us back again. Look, but this when you're going to impeach a president of the United States, you can't be. Oh, because I believe something. It's got to be. You've got some evidence. And there's thousands of pages out there. And one of the things I try to do, and, and I take seriously, say, oh, you're not the middle. You're not. Of course, I'm a Democrat. I'm a, I'm a, but I try to present these cases in a way like what I do is I – what did I just do? I read the charge and then I read the rebuttal of the charge. And if someone wants to call up and say I got some of that wrong, the first caller who was on the board that I said, let's go to him first, says you're a liar about Burisma. So I said let's take him first because I don't – First, I don't like – I mean I don't think I'm a liar. I might have had something wrong. But but I want to hear it and that's and that's why we're, we're, we're in this position. I mean I, I, I do believe it. I do believe it. Um, next, let's go to Robert in New York City. Hey, Robert, thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Uh, if uh, Donald Trump is convicted for, for, one, for one or more times, how will it affect – Joe Biden's popularity on the left, right, and middle. Well, you know, one of the things that Curtis wanted to talk about today that we're going to get into a little bit, and thank you so much, Robert, is should Democrats just give up the ghost on Joe Biden a little bit and start looking for a better candidate? Because despite all the problems that Trump is having, and he's losing popularity, Trump, people this mythology, oh, no, he's gaining popularity with every new indictment. No, no, if you look at the numbers, he's actually been slipping. But Joe Biden has been slipping even more because of concerns about his age. And I I don't know. That's punditry. Who gets all I know is this. The American people who we care about. When we try to predict who is going to decide these elections, we are not looking at these national polls as as interesting as there are. We're looking at the polls in four or five or six states I did a whole podcast this week on The Middle Unplugged, which is the podcast that I do that falls on Wednesdays. And by the way, we recorded it for YouTube also. I don't know how that's going to go because I, I, have, I'm ready, I have a face for radio. But I talked about one of those states, Wisconsin. The swing voters in those states don't like it when you're impeaching people of both parties. Trump actually did better when he was impeached. Not the second time, obviously. He was already out of office effectively, but, <coughs> but the first time. Um, Bill Clinton got a big bump when he was impeached because the American people have this sense of let us decide. And maybe that is going to help and hurt Donald Trump. He
He's going to be helped by it because they're going to say these prosecutions fall in that category. But it's going to hurt him because they're going to see that this going after Joe Biden because his son was in business. And by the way, let's I said this before. I am in favor of impeachment. If you want to make it a hearings instead of saying it's to impeach Joe Biden, it's because we want to get rid of influence peddling in Washington and we want to get rid of nepotism and we want to call in Donald Trump's family and Donald Trump, who got 70 trademarks from 11 foreign governments, while he, including China, while he was uh, in, 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 in the White House. And Jared Kushner got $2 billion from the Saudis, the people that attacked us on September 11th. And even though the, the panel that screens that for the Saudis said that Kushner was not qualified to get it. And that the moment that – and China had been holding up copyrights for Ivanka Trump. The moment that, that Trump got elected, they gave it to Ivanka. If you want to have hearings on wiping out that kind of nepotism that Hunter Biden was involved in, put me on your board and I'll and, and it will look good for you like Burisma did. I'm with you, man. If that's what these hearings are going to be about – Fine, sign me up. But if it's just going to be, we're going to ignore the Trump stuff and ignore the history that, and that whole town of Washington runs on who knows who. What former member of Congress you hire who knows the CEO of some of something or knows a commissioner or knows a department head or knows something or knows Nancy Pelosi. When I left Congress, I made more money than I ever in my life made as a consultant. Some people hired me because I'm super duper smart. No doubt about it. But a lot of people hired me because I knew a lot of people in that town. And I had a lot of friends in that town. Not as many anymore. If you want to have hearings on that, I'm with you. Bipartisan styles. That's what I think. How about Joe in the Bronx? Go ahead, Joe. Hey, Anthony. Uh, Listen. You talk out of two sides of your mouth, and you just did it just now. When you brought up Ivanka Trump, when you brought up her husband, when you bring up any of the uh, the Trump children, you brought their businesses up. All they got disapproved when their father became president. First of all, the husband and his family already had business dealings with many companies in many countries. That's number one. But you only bring that up and and say like Trump is kind of guilty about that because it's Trump. But when you got a guy like Hunter Biden who has no experience in any field, gets a job at a top gas company in a foreign country, and you want to say that's not because of his father's influence? No, Joe, 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 I just got done saying nepotisms on both sides. How do you say I speak about sides? I literally just said the words they hired Hunter Biden because his name is Biden. No doubt about it. And they and Kushner never had a spit of business in the Middle East, and now he's in Saudi Arabia getting two billion dollars with a B from the country that 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 attacked us on nine eleven. Ukraine at least is an ally, and they both did business in China, the Trump kids and the Biden kids. All I'm saying is, if that's your issue, and Joe, maybe it is. If that's your issue, then get with me and say, let's investigate both sides and let's put laws in place on both sides to make it somehow illegal to do that. People trade on their name all the time. It doesn't mean anyone did anything illegal. Donald Trump had event after event after event when he was president at his own uh, his own places. So you had U.S. tax dollars paying him to have events at his own place. It was freaking disgusting. If you want to have hearings about that, 
Fine, but don't accuse me of not talking about Hunter Biden. You could go back to every time I've talked about Hunter Biden, I have said the following statement. What Hunter Biden did was sleazy. It looks terrible. And it goes on all the time. He got the business because his name was Hunter. What you don't have, Joe, and thank you so much for calling. Call us again. What you don't have, Joe, is any evidence that it actually had any effect in a real policy way. There's no one that ever says they were lobbied by Hunter. Not a single document. No one that ever – there's nothing that's ever showed up of any money-changing hands going to Joe Biden. There's no sign that any policy changed. They were the, the policy of the Trump administration, the Biden administration, Obama administration was to get this this to, to get Ukraine serious about corruption. There's no sign that any of that stopped when he was on the board of Burisma. I'm the opposite. I'm saying, yeah, both both sides for sure are engaged in this kind of nepotism and and influence peddling. I'm just saying let's be fair about it. We did not impeach President Trump for this. We impeached him for other stuff. (laughs) But if your concern is nepotism, fine. If your concern is Joe Biden doing something illegal, at this point, I say let's see it. And we'll be right back on The Middle. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. This is a mob world. This is a mob world. So that's the jam. This is the middle, the modern world. I want to switch gears a little bit right now, talk a little about something closer to home. This Well, it's a national issue, the migrant crisis. Um, so last week, you can go listen to it. All of these episodes are available as podcasts almost as, as soon as we go off the air. Kevin and the gang make sure to upload it as a podcast. You can go listen to it. I, I went pretty hard on on this issue and on... The idea, some of the immigration laws, but also the idea that Eric Adams is handling this in a defe- very defeatist manner. That when you're a leader of a, of a city, you don't say we can't undo this problem. And I went through all the different reasons. But this week, there was another rally and some actual news about the idea of housing migrants at a place called Floyd Bennett Field. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with New York, even if you're a New Yorker, you might not know what Floyd Bennett Field is. Floyd Bennett. It's at the southern tip, if you take Flatbush Avenue, all the way from the Manhattan Bridge, straight down to Queens. Before you hit Queens, before you reach the Gil Hodges Bridge, 
on the east side of the, the street is this giant open field with what looked like aircraft hangars and even kind of an old tower. It's an old civil engineering. It was actually a, an airport that never really took off, no pun intended. And after changing hands and some a lot of history around aviation, it became a national park. And at the time it became a national park, as part of Gateway National Recreation Area, there were some real concerns at the time. I think it was the 1970s. Some real concerns at the time for a couple of reasons. One, as a big open kind of concrete part of the park, there was a concern that it wouldn't get the attention that it deserved and it would be kind of neglected. And when I was in Congress, I represented that part and I took that very seriously and I didn't want to see that happen. And for the first time, Congress Congresses had come and go since Manny Seller and very little had been done with it. I invested. I didn't. It wasn't my money, but I rounded up investors to put in Aviator in there. It's a ice rink, a gymnastics place, basketball, daycare. Got money for the for the Ryan Center, which is the history of the – it's like a museum there. Fixing up those buildings a little bit. Tried to get some people in there to do the kind of uses that we want. I remember dedicating a cricket field in there and an urban garden. But the other concern that people had at the time that Floyd Bennett Field came into creation was, wait a minute, how do we make sure that this wide open piece of concrete real estate in New York City, the most densely populated city in the world, where they say that real estate is to New York what oil is to Texas, how do we make sure that this doesn't become an all-purpose dumping ground for anything that the city wants to do? And so language was written into the deed and language was written into the law to try to protect against that. But it hasn't been perfect. When they teach people how to drive garbage trucks, they do it at the corner of Floyd Bennett Field in a special area that was carved out on the map. When they launch helicopters for the NYPD, they do it from part of Floyd Bennett Field. Again, all the way off in the eastern corner, but still it's from Floyd Bennett Field. And at the time that those things were authorized, there were some lonely voices saying, you know what, this worries us. So fast forward to 2023. And if there is one thing that has put us into this fix more than any other, maybe even more than the problems at the border with the immigration laws that I've talked so much about, is something called the Callahan decision. And the Cal- it's not a Callahan decision. It's the Callahan consent decree where the parties enter into an agreement to settle a lawsuit that is signed by both parties, supervised by a judge. And the Callahan decree, Callahan decision, essentially said that there is a right to housing in New York City as enshrined in the Constitution. It's an interpretation of our Constitution. That document, which lives, breathes today and has the force of law, despite what Curtis says, despite what Sid might say, despite what anyone might say, that's the law. That document today and the signing of that document all these years forward is why we have the problem that we have today because people are coming to New York who might otherwise go other places because they know they get housing and we have to provide it. And that's the costs that we're paying today in dollars and a cost in, in disruption of neighborhoods and the like. So why do I mention that in the context of Floyd Bennett Field? Because on Friday – the city announced that the federal government had entered into an agreement with them to permit the city to put a migrant housing facility, actually to lease one. They're paying money for it. The city's paying money for it at Floyd Bennett Field. This, I believe, and save this tape, Ava, save it. 
This, I believe, is going to be one of those documents, one of those decisions that is going to open a Pandora's box that is going to impact not only Floyd Bennett Field but potentially national parks around the country. And here's what I mean. Once you create a precedent of saying that we have a park that has park uses only, that for years we've said no to non-park uses, we are now going to start because this is an emergency and no doubt that it is because it's an emergency, we're going to start to have people living in this park as not just people in campers and Winnebago's but people coming and setting up on tarmacs and setting up housing structures. We are going to look back at this and realize in years to come when there are other things that are so, so-called emergencies that we have now lost the ability to say no on this giant swath of land that sits between Brooklyn and Queens. And believe me when I tell you, I was a member of Congress and a city councilman. I wasn't a city councilman for that era. I was a member of Congress for that park. Not a week went by that someone didn't call up with some kind of a harebrained idea. So if you think that, okay, this is a solution and it'll go away and like they'll house it and then they'll fold up their tents literally and figuratively, we are going to look back at the decision to put residents in a park, a national park, and we're going to loathe the day that we did it, just like we do the Callahan decision. So I really believe it's a terrible location and I – but I take seriously people who wrote me this week and said, well, you've got all kinds of ideas about, about it and everyone has the same thing. You're just like Curtis. You just said, want to say no to places. So last uh, – not last week, the week before, I was out at the USTA Tennis Center out in Queens. And I brought Jordan out there. Nothing fancy. Weren't in any fancy box like he goes when he's with his mom. Not sitting next to fashion designers and John Basquiat or whatever, whoever fancy people that are there. We were up there in the cheap seats. I have no idea why they make you, you know, wait to between games to move your seat. They can't see you up there. I mean, if I'm moving around, anyway. And where the food there is great. You can't shake a dead cat without hitting a a bathroom stall. They had phone chargers set up every four feet. There were plenty of places to sit and to eat. And, of course, there are these giant facilities where there are tennis courts. Um, one of the the biggest surfaces for I can't remember the name of it. It's a it's a surface. It's a hard true. It's a hard. It's a hard. Technically a hard court tournament, but they're very soft courts. They're very easy on your knees. That's why you can see them skidding a little bit when they the players run. It is a perfect facility now that the U.S. Open is gone to house temporarily migrants. It's right next to the seven train. It has a retractable roof. It has bathroom facilities. It has shower facilities. It has food facilities left and right. It has controlled access and egress. You could not get in if you didn't have a ticket. It has plenty of police protection because there you're right there by City Field. There's all kinds of police that are there all the time. You are not far from the communities that many of these people have their native communities in. It's not far from the most diverse community of like Jackson Heights and Corona and Elmhurst in the world. You have school facilities that are nearby that are not at capacity. Not only that, you have facilities at the tennis center that can be converted into 
The media center was bigger than any high school in the city. You have Wi-Fi. You have wire technology. You have energy. You have electrics all hooked up. And you have a retractable roof. And it is a place that ironically, maybe this is an irony, but ironically, every year we welcome the world. Every player, when they're up on the board, has a flag next to them for where they're from. Except for Medvedev. We don't we pretend that Russia doesn't exist right now. That's a facility. It's a facility owned by the city of New York. And part of the deal with the U.S. Open was, you get it, you, the U.S. Open, have complete control over it during the Open, and the city of New York has a park the rest of the time. And it's not a park that is convertible. You're not taking away from anyone else. And if you are, I mean, if there's some tournament that's going on there, postpone it. I don't think there is. That, those big facilities don't get used And the outer courts, you wouldn't even touch. You don't need them. So you want ideas? That's an idea. That's an idea that's humane. It's an idea that's cost-effective. We already own the land. It's an idea that's not taking a national park and creating a bad precedent. If you create a precedent for this one, and we 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 welcome millions of visitors each year. 20 or 30,000 or 10,000, whatever it is, there aren't that many right now that need to go to a particular place. So that's my idea. Someone who supports the migrants, someone who believes we need to fix the immigration laws, but someone who believes that there are, that there are practical and impractical places to put them. And maybe someone can call in at 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222 and tell me why not. Now, I should say as caveat, When I was in the city council, I voted against the giant expansion of that place. And one of the reasons was that, if you remember, they wanted to build this big new stadium. But part of it that frequently gets lost is there was a clause in the deal that said that they would divert airplanes from going over the stadium during the tournament. And I represented the area that was not the stadium but would be where they'd be diverting those flights. And I'm like, we're not going to divert planes – for a bunch of people to watch tennis, to go over, low over the houses of people in Massbeth and Middle Village. Anyway, <laughs> let me bite off one issue at a time. So that's my proposal. Put them at the U.S. Open facility. That's humane. We have all kinds of facilities there. And and you don't have to do what you're doing at the U.S. Open. You know, we, we the city taxpayers, as part of that deal, we're paying the federal government, at least because they – that's their rule. If you wanna if you wanna camp here, you gotta you gotta pay the lease fees. So let's go to one call and then we gotta go to a break. Gino in Staten Island. Hey Gino. Hey Anthony. Grassmere is in Staten Island and it houses the last Salvation Army store on Staten Island. And I was with Sal Sal from Staten Island. You didn't answer his call about what you're going to do to get a Hochul to keep those two cop killers uh, in jail. But that's another story. We were in the Salvation Army store, and we saw 13 strapping young men from countries who hate our guts, of military age, groomed and dressed, all holding vouchers. My investigation showed that it was from the city of New York, from a evil asswipe, uh, uh, Adams. 
Then I found out that Catholic Charities covered some of these vouchers. Bottom line is, I've been calling to help my brother and sister American veterans to get vouchers for 13 weeks, and they deny it to veterans, but they're giving it to illegal aliens. Another thing, these strapping young men across the street from two schools are unvetted, and I do believe some of them are sleeper cells. And why are they in the south shore of Staten Island, the drug capital so, of the so, world? So, Gigino, you think that these people are coming here, applying for asylum, showing up, giving their paperwork, applying, then being placed in a New York City shelter because they're a sleeper cell. If they were going to come and do those things, I don't think they would come that way. But I want to tell you this. There is no doubt about it that if a whole flood of people that are coming here that it is you can't separate the wheat from the chaff very easily. That's why we need to fix the immigration law so that we can have a process for the people who want to do it right and make it easier to catch the people who want to do us harm. But, yeah, the immigration laws are are busted. They're shattered. They're in shrapnel. But that doesn't change the fact that people are using those those laws that we have to come here. And one of the ways they do it is by seeking asylum. And as far as what nonprofits do, like Catholic Charities, yeah, Catholic Charities helps people in need. That's what they do. And even then the city of New York tries to help people in need as well. That's what they do. And we have a lot of people who are coming into our city. And that's one of the arguments, by the way, for letting them work. One of the arguments for letting them work is that the more they're working, the less they need our assistance. But the system's not broken. There's no doubt about it. I don't disagree with that. That's why Congress has to fix it. Not Joe Biden. Congress. Not just the Democrats, Congress. Natoma Eliotakis represents that district. She's a Republican. I have yet to see the Republicans step up and do anything resembling anything serious about this. If they, if they really are serious, we're, they're, they're passing a new funding bill for the for, um, United States of America that has to, get, has to get done. That's part of what this fight is about shutting down the government. Let's see if they propose dramatically increasing the amount of hearing offices for asylum applicants so we can get them processed faster. And if they're not eligible, they get turned out of the country. Let's see if they do. Instead, they're proposing a 20 percent cut. That's the Republicans. I'm Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. We'll back on the other side. The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
am a patriot. I love my country. That's Steve Van Zandt. He did a lot of stuff on his own that was really amazing. You know, he's best known as Little Steve of the of the E Street Band and uh, what was his name on and Silvio Dante. Thank you, Kevin, on, on Sopranos. But that is him doing a great patriotic anthem. And speaking of patriots, George and Rockland, go ahead. You're next. Hello. Hello, George. Yeah, how are you doing? Okay, so uh, I want to talk to you about uh, Biden wealth. But before this, I just want to ask you a question regarding your last comments. Okay, how come you don't ask Nadler, uh, Lydia Vasquez, uh, OSC, uh, Presley, Omar, Schumer, Gillibrand, why don't they do anything about the immigration? They're, they're, well, at least most of them are in the minority party. But these guys have their position on immigration. I mean, they, they wanted it's it was not the Republican. By the way, at least two of those people were at the table that I was at. Half Democrats, half Republicans in the Obama administration. The Republicans got up and left because they started fighting amongst themselves about what they called amnesty. What's your other question, George? OK, so the other thing, uh, let's talk about Biden wealth. OK, now, according to information that I heard, when he left Senate, his, his net worth was about $27,000. Now, some people say he's worth between fifty to $100 million. He has some very expensive property uh, worth millions, okay? And the question here is, since he was a vice president, now, uh, you know, a sitting president, where did he get this huge amount of money? He couldn't get it by earning salary. No, you actually, you stumbled onto it. His, his net worth is about $10 million and about Three quarters of that is the real estate that he owns. He has two houses in Delaware, one in Rehoboth, which is about four and a half million dollars. So almost half of his net worth is that. And he sells books and gives speeches. I mean, his net worth is ten million dollars. That's it's not nothing. But while we're on the subject, thank you for calling, George. How did the brilliant businessman Donald Trump become so wealthy? Mm, his daddy gave him money. <laughs> And he's he's had, I think, nine bankruptcies and he's got failed casinos and a failed airline and a failed wine company and a failed meat company and failed golf courses and failed real estate left and right. Where did he get his money? Oh, it's just a few million dollars. And he got like 30 million dollars from his dad. His dad, Fred Trump, by the way, did build stuff. But yeah, so Joe Biden, he has $10 million is a lot, way more than I have, but most of it is his real estate, including um, in Rehoboth. Next, let's go to John in New Jersey. Hey, John, thank you for calling us. Yes, Anthony, uh, thank you. I want to ask you, what number do you think is enough to allow people to come to this country from all over the world? Where are you going to put them? You, You just gave a place now, and that's good. They need a place to live just like you and I do. Fine. I, I met someone Thursday uh, from, with the Hoover, that's the driver from El Salvador, and we had a nice, respectful conversation. He has a family. I don't know if he came here recently or as many years ago, but he said he's working seven days a week just to make ends meet. Okay. Now, what a, times that by more than seven, 10 million people already here from all over the world. 
the, the, the income is not going to be enough. We're still going to have to help these people that have come here or here. Well, wait, wait a minute, but John, out. John, John, will you help, are you supporting that guy who's working for, from El Salvador, or is he working really hard himself? Yes, through our taxes and your taxes. Wait a minute, how, what, what, he's paying taxes. Yeah, he's paying taxes, but he's telling me it's not enough. Well, that's okay. So, John, you just made the very point that I think more people need to hear, and I appreciate your calling. Is it is it people who come here from other countries? Our productivity in the United States is so far beyond what it is in Japan and what it is in the European Union and other places around the world. Why? Because immigrants, the most energized people and the most – the people with the most chutzpah and the most drive are people that get up from their own homes, travel to come to the United States, and then because they want to make a better life and they work here. Every generation of immigrants that comes here adds to what adds to that. That's what the United States' big secret weapon is. Birth rates are going down all around the world. Uh, um, um, productivity is not rising very quickly, but here in the United States, we've got plenty of productivity because of immigration. My city of New York City was saved by immigration. I talked about that last week. And he, and Joe calls in. I think, I'm, forgive me if I got, forget, got his name wrong. And he tells a story about talking to someone from El Salvador working 70 hours a week, paying income tax, paying sales tax, working, repairing, he said, the Hoover guy. So repairing uh, vacuum cleaners. We need that. And by the way, when did the Republican Party stop being the party that believes that? When did they stop being the party that believes that hard work is the great equalizer? There are places in our state right now that are dying on the vine because no one wants to move there. They would love it. If they got an infusion of 2,000 new workers coming, there are are dairy farms. there There are manufacturing plants. There's a shortage of workers in all kinds of different areas. If we didn't have have immigrants, who'd be taking care of old people in our city, in our country? He tells a story. He's working 70 hours a week trying to make ends meet. You know what that is? That's it. That's the drive that immigrants have. And people think, oh, my God, this is just a plot by Democrats to get more Democratic voters. I just want everyone to think about this for a second. The biggest influx of immigrants came from where right now to New York City, Venezuela, 40 percent or so are coming from Venezuela. What kind of government did those people flee? The socialist government of Maduro. Why did they flee that country? Because the socialists couldn't run the freaking country and also because we as, as the America, as the United States of America set about in our policy to dismantle that country by starving them and choking them. Why do you think that they're not going to come here and vote Republican? The only reason they wouldn't is the way that the Republican Party is talking about shooting them on sight. These people traveled 5,000 miles. And I keep hearing people call in, they're strapping them in. <laughs> Kevin pointed this out. And you know, uh, 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 Curtis, who's coming in for, he talks about this too, these strapping young men. Settle down a little bit. Make me uncomfortable over here. They're leaving a socialist country. When my constituents, when I used to be in office, when they left the former Soviet Union, the Russians that, that came here and the people that came here from, from Ukraine and other places and Georgia and other places, Sure, we thought they were coming here for religious reasons and everything else. They wanted a better life. And they came here and they – who did they – they came here and all they could talk about was Ronald Reagan. 
You wonder why that area is Republican. Now, it started with Reagan. This whole idea that new migrants are going to be Democrats. I got news for you. That didn't happen with the Cubans in Miami. It's, I don't think it's going to happen with the Venezuelans now. It didn't happen with the former Russians. Why do people think that? And by the way, if you look at where Donald Trump made unexpected gains, it's with the recently um, uh, it's with the generation removed Mexicans that arrived that don't like the idea that they came in one way and these other folks are supplanting them. Republicans used to believe this, my friends. That's why we had immigration reforms under Reagan, immigration reforms under Eisenhower, immigration reform proposals under Bush. George W. was the first time when I was in Congress was the first time I was invited to immigration talks at the White House. And he got his legs chopped out from under him. Marco Rubio got his leg chopped out from him. The Republicans are the ones that left with their, you know, they said we want no part of this. Amnesty, amnesty, amnesty. That was all they would yell about. That truck driver that was described by the last caller working his tail off. Yeah, that's the immigrant experience. Now, we have laws on how you should do it, no doubt about it. And we need to update those laws. But don't let anyone tell you that the migrants don't pay taxes. They pay sales taxes. They pay Social Security taxes on fake Social Security numbers. They do. And they keep our country afloat. And I say they, I mean we. And we'll see you on the other side. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. This is Anthony Weiner. That's cool in the gang? Who is that? Cool in the gang. So, um, have you heard some of the crazy, dopey things that Joe Biden has been saying? Listen to this. This is uh, cut two. I saw on the television one of these characters. There shouldn't be voter ID. Now, you have voter ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have... You have ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have everything. You have pictures. That's Joe Biden. Uh, Wait a minute. That's not Joe Biden saying a stupid thing. Can someone please? This is not the first time. There must be people here that know Joe Biden, that know Donald Trump. I know that he's been on Sid's show. I know he's called into 
to John's show. Can someone ask the president, President Trump, why he thinks you need ID to buy a loaf of bread? You know, I know we make fun of Joe Biden for saying dopey things, but for goodness sakes, you really can almost go one for one. Okay, here's an, uh, here, this is, while you won't hear this on 77 WABC Talk Radio except on my show. This is 30 seconds, unedited, of Donald Trump from an appearance yesterday. As you know, crooked Joe Biden and the radical left thugs who have weaponized law enforcement to arrest their leading political opponent, and leading by a lot, including Obama. I'll tell you what, you take a look at Obama and take a look at some of the things that he's done. This is the same thing. The country is very divided. And we did with Obama. We won an election that everyone said couldn't be won. We beat Hillary Clinton. Now, you know, I used to I used to call her crooked Hillary. I didn't edit that. I swear my hand to God, that was that. So I was like, oh, Joe Biden, he's incoherent. He's a stumbling fool. He's a knucklehead. Let's not forget something. (laughs) Your guy, Trump? I mean, what what was that? And by the way, you probably could figure it out. He was reading off a teleprompter, and then he went off the teleprompter, and I think he had a stroke. I have no idea what happened there. So he thinks you need an ID to get a loaf of bread to go shopping. He Look. I have real problems with Joe Biden. I think he's old. I think he acts old. His messaging is terrible because he can't stay on script and he makes up stuff. There was just true. He gave a press conference on his way back from Vietnam, President Biden. And let me. And the Republican National Party, I took a count here. Let me see if I can find it. Made cuts of crazy things that that um, that Joe Biden said. And they got. 12 videos out of a 25-minute press conference to make fun of. But Donald Trump is not much better. I mean, he is not much better. He says some crazy things that are are incoherent, that are unhinged, that are that borderline senile. The guy's, he's coming after my number one opponent, Obama, and I ran against Obama, and he just starts rambling. So, man, oh, man, both sides, both sides. Let's just make an agreement right now. Let's hurry and pass an amendment to the Constitution. No one over 70 can be president effective immediately. Both parties walk away from – you guys walk away from Trump. We'll walk away from, from Biden. You guys can go have the trials with, without us. We can go. We'll get, we'll get Biden uh, a, a good nap and we'll get someone else in there. It's for the good of the country because both of them, they're both, uh, you know – that's my plan. What amendment are we up to? The twenty sixth amendment, twenty seventh. What are we up to? So we, we'll get we'll get to have, have another amendment. Like Nikki Haley has this thing. Let's have a, let's have a cognitive test of some sort. All right. I'm actually I don't think that's a terrible idea, but it's got to be completely public and not Donald Trump gets to decide what the test is. They just go into a room. No debates this year. You go into a room. And you let my son Jordan, like, quiz them on stuff to see whether he, you know, whatever. It's bad. But you know what is not bad? Curtis Lewa, he's the, – the list of people at City Hall are out to get him is getting long. He's going to be coming in at the top of the hour, left versus right. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we talked about in the second hour at the migrant crisis. We're also going to talk about this issue of Joe Biden. I mean, it's – and Donald Trump. Maybe we both get rid of our candidates. And I really do want to express gratitude to all of you. The show has been doing very well. I think it's in part 
because we've got a good, stable team here. Kevin and Ava and Christian have been really great about helping the, the show along. All of you have been cooperating and joining in by sending not only messages, but calling in and, and offering a lot of grist for the mill. I do want to express my gratitude to all of you. I know this is a departure. When I do my two hours, it's a departure from what you normally hear. And what we're learning is not everyone likes it, but a lot of people appreciate the idea that we here at 77 WABC Talk Radio, we try to get both sides and the middle. And I appreciate you being along. Stick around at the top of the hour, left versus right with Curtis Lee. Gotta run for shelter. Gotta run for shade. It's too hot, too hot, too hot, lady. Gotta cool this anger.